This is Alamo Anthem, where we, the overtaxed, remember our liberty. Direct from the forgotten countryside outside of Alamo City, San Antonio. I'm your host, Joe, and uh, we have two lovely co-hosts here with us. Would you introduce yourselves? I'm Michelle. And I'm Emily. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. (laughs) By way of introduction, uh, we live in the San Antonio area in Texas. Lately, we've been getting more involved in local politics, looking at our property taxes rise, that sort of thing. And thinking, what, what can we do about this other than what we're already trying to do, you know, fight at the uh, hearings for our property taxes, going to like uh, community meetings or whatever, we thought, well, maybe we should start a podcast and talk about these things, talk about local issues and just whatever else interests us. That's right. And I think that a lot of people go to the polls and they're ready to vote and then they see what they're voting for and they don't know anything about it. And who has time as a working class person to look up all of the news articles about everything that's on the ballots. So I, Joe, Emily, and I thought it would be a good idea to start this podcast to inform local citizens of what their government is doing. We're all busy, and it would be really nice to have somebody who has gone to school board meetings, who goes to city council meetings, kind of has an idea of what's going on a little bit. On today's show, Joe, we're going to talk about a couple things. Uh, this format will pretty much go like this. We will talk about some local Issues such as the local tax battle that we fight on the county level. We will also be discussing some state level things such as the constitutional amendments that are going to be on the November ballot. Uh, We also will be talking about the issue of migration that's happening in Eagle Pass. It's overwhelming the system. It actually caused the uh, city of Eagle Pass to go to have a state of emergency declared by their mayor and Governor Abbott. Um, and then we're going to finish up with some local fun stuff. I like to get on the next door app or as Joe likes to call it, the Nick's dog app. (laughs) So true. (laughs) I I assure you that we will not be discussing lost dogs on this. Okay. So that's my promise to you today. So what about chickens or cows? I'd be more interested in that. (laughs) No more dogs. (laughs) I mean, not that we're anti-dog. A little (laughs) anti-dog. Well, bark. <laughs> then you're anti-dog. You're a hater, Emily. Do you know what I am? I'm, I'm anti-people who leave their dogs home all day and they the dogs bark all day while the pe- while their owners are gone. That's what I'm anti. You've had experience with this all day, every day. How can you it hear is. them inside yeah. or just outside? Yeah. Both. Both. Really? Yeah. Well, you know what I'm an anti-dog of? People who let their dogs wander. Yesterday, I was walking in Divine, and a husky and a dachshund surround me as I'm walking to the golf course. And you're being hunted. I was being hunted. And then there was a third one coming up. And they're I mean, like raptors. I'm a dog person. You guys know this. I have two Pyrenees <laughs> here at home. I love dogs. But honestly, I, it's unpredictable. You don't know what these dogs are going to do. So I went in the bathroom, in the golf course bathroom, <laughs> and waited. I'm like, maybe they'll go away. Sat there for a minute. And then I came out. They were still there. Uh. Scared me. Oh, we're uh, moving on from the dog issue. No, no, I'm telling Emily to get closer to her mic. Okay. I'd love to hear more about that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, Pyrenees, they're they're great. Uh, okay, we're so even what's talking our... about Pyrenees, Joe. <laughs> That's how much you don't care about dogs. You don't even want to hear. <laughs> you be? mentioned what you had. <laughs> you had two Pyrenees at home, and I said they're great. A husky and a dachshund. But anyway, go on. Uh, no, you're the one with the agenda. Okay, so, so you the tell first us what we're one. Doing. Yep, the first one we're going to talk about uh, is. About the Hondo News, the, the headline that was in the Hondo News. Emily's got it right there. Go okay. ahead, Emily. It says, repairs all over city moving forward. Street work begins this week south of 24th Street. So why in, this, why in the world is this controversial, Emily? How could you? It's <laughs> well, like, it's yeah, like what's hate- wrong with getting your, the, the roads repaired? Everyone wants nice roads, right? It's like hating dogs. <laughs> so if you've ever driven through the streets of Texas... You might have encountered a pothole here and there. And, uh, you know, nobody likes that. We all want it smoothed. And they're smoothing it out. They're finally doing it after all this time. And so I think we all appreciate that. 
I do find it a little bit suspicious that they're doing it right before the election and after an entire, up to this point, uh, calendar year of people going in and protesting their property taxes. What do you guys think about that? Well, we were talking about this earlier, and I <clears throat> I can't help, this is just like such a perfect example, like the classic thing. If you talk to anybody in the world about uh you know reducing the size of government or you know maybe we should abolish the government in this area or this you know if we say taxation is theft i mean so just so you all know we're pretty right-leaning libertarian leaning uh on this show so revealing yeah biases. full disclosure of our bias is i think the way that liberty-minded yeah and uh so a common you know thread in that is that we feel like we're being robbed when we get taxed a lot of the times and uh, so then the, the first thing anybody ever says all the time is, what about the roads, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's just, I, I think, you know, I'm with you. I don't know that this is much of a, of a coincidence. It's the thing that everybody sees the most, everybody experiences on a day-to-day -day basis, and it's the thing that everybody knows is provided by the government. And so it's like, oh, they are doing their job. You know, it's hard to not think that that's really what's going on with the timing, at least. I also just want to add my beef <laughs> with this is that we don't have a really clear, trustworthy, uh, you know, the information isn't clear and trustworthy as to how much goes in and how much goes out. Hmm. Like, I don't know how what what really is going on with their budget. And it is my understanding that constitutionally that information is supposed to be clear. So I think that when forced to, for example, there's a firm in the United States called Open the Books, and they go around and they try to make sure that on every level of government, federal, state, and local, that every body of government does show, right, what it is, like, how much... Tran transparency? Yeah, they're, like they're trying to force transparency, which constitutionally they're supposed to do that anyway. Mm -hmm. But they don't, necessarily. And mm -hmm. so you can go... They actually have uh, an app and a website, openthebooks.com. You can go and look in whatever county you live in, and you can try and see, like, how much do all of these school district employees make, you know, for example, or any employee in your city or county. So I don't know, and I don't, I don't know if anybody who, besides probably a handful of people in the local government or state government, depending on what roads we're talking about, knows how much it's costing, even though they put some information, you know, in these articles, uh, like, did they find the cheapest, best, you know, way to do it? I don't know, because it's not their own checkbook, uh, and I don't know how much they have like how much are they actually gathering all this information should be clear but it doesn't seem clear to me right. so it seems to me even if they do at some point do a good job of smoothing the roads over and you know maintaining them it it is not obvious and clear that they are being efficient and that they're not way overtaxing for that purpose especially when you read articles like this one which i it's from the i guess the same newspaper anvil herald right is mm -hmm. that hondo <clears throat> this is from hondo herald and hondo anvil what the heck is anvil i don't know uh herald ding, ding, the thing like that a... falls on cartoon characters yeah it has nothing to do with blacksmithing okay. it's just like wily e. coyote <laughs> getting hit uh green light give given to supplement salaries of employees in several county offices okay this came out recently Medina County commissioners voted four to zero to supplement salaries for employees in the Medina County auditors, treasurers, and tax offices using tax increment reinvestment zone and public improvement district fees. Okay, so, wait. so say what that actually means. You translate it. Well, for us. it sounds to me like they're saying they're using part of the money from taxes to supplement the salaries of the um, auditor and treasury tax offices right uh, but they already are tax getting tax money so i don't know what that means like i don't know what do you think well my understanding of this was that they had money left over whatever that means surplus. and then after what? the budget yeah a surplus after the, after the, after yeah, the budget. budget 
And then they were taking what was left over and decided to just give themselves raises until the money ran out. Am I wrong? Then that's what it sounds like to me. Should I read further? And, it, and it's especially galling that it's it's the people that's handling the money. That's and the like thing. Taking it, you know. How like, about we give ourselves a raise? We deserve it. We worked hard this summer. We had to endure many hours of protesting. So of, much of money to Angry count. citizens can't imagine why they're so angry. You wouldn't believe the amount of money we had to count this year. <laughs> so I don't know who this is. Medina County Auditor Edward or Eduardo Lopez noted, "Quote: We did reach out to determine whether we can use some of the fees." These offices receive from PID and TIRZ to supplement some of the employees' salaries in these offices. The answer was yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know what PID stands for. Do you guys know? No. No. Oh, wait. Well, we know that the TIRZ stands for Treasures. Uh, I'm sorry. Tax Increment Reinvestment Zone. That's TIRZ, but I don't know what PID stands for. So, I mean, are you going to come out against people treating themselves? I mean... Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Remember that? Right? Remember yeah. Parks and Rec? Yeah. <laughs> They're people, too. <laughs> treat yourself. It'd be nice to treat myself. I'm just happy we can pay our mortgage <laughs> with an increase of the taxes. Don't have much to treat myself with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and... Like, I get it that there are some times where they miscalculate and then they need to figure out what they should do with the money. One thing, um, this is kind of a tangent, but if anybody's been following Vivek, or Vivek, Vivek, um, Ramaswamy, who's one of the people running for the presidential oh, yeah. nomination for the Republican Party, and one of the things that he points out, and this is in the federal budget, obviously, is that the language changed at one point with budgetary considerations from being that Congress may spend you know, X amount of money to Congress shall spend X amount of money. And so this is like an accounting, like a thing that they did to make it so if there is budget left over, it's not like they could be like, well, we'll take it or leave it. We could leave it there for next year or whatever. It's kind of written as part of the law implicitly because a budget, you know, it's, it's passed by Congress saying that you must spend it. And mm-hmm. so it, even if it you reach all of your... Uh, obligations for that budget well you still need to spend it and i've heard this my whole life talking to people that work in uh school districts and and whatnot and it's like well we had this money left over and if we don't spend it then our budget goes down next year and that's why you get all like this crazy wild spending can we do a full disclosure here absolutely so people know where we are because they i I don't want ever to get people to find out about our families and go those big hypocrites both Mm. joe and my husband work for the federal government can we say you're a little bit less working for the federal government than Jay because you work for a contracting company, which gets their money from the federal To clarify, it's a company with government contracts. That's right. So I, I don't want to – I'm not a contractor like a freelancer like working through some like, you know, random – You work for a company. I work for a company and that company has government defense contracts. contracts. Yes. Yeah. And then my husband works directly. He's prior military and he now works still with the Air Force. Um, but I, I do want to say a couple things about the system because it's, especially with the education system and our property taxes, when it comes to this stuff, I feel like we've done this to ourselves as citizens. We've created a system by allowing government out of, I don't know why or how it seems like with the education system in the name of convenience, in the name of, I don't know, well, we want, we want to educate our children and we think that's the best way, but we have handed over so much control and power to this educational system that has become a monster that we cannot scale back. It's mm. it's just too difficult because what's happened is it started small. I mean, I'm always a big picture person, so I'm always looking at like, okay, how did this even start? Where did we come from? We used to have the, you know, Little House of Prairie, I imagine, the 19th century, the little red schoolhouse with the one teacher that the local neighborhood or citizens paid for together they put their money together and paid this teacher and built this house schoolhouse and they that educated the children in that area now we've grown into this monstrosity of a public school system that we cannot scale back and so i you know i I look back at the 20th century and i see that uh, parents have pretty much just take given that away to the educational system 
in the name of, well, first, somewhere to send their kids while they go to school, you know, kind of a daycare type system. While they go to work. That's what I meant. Yeah. Work. Yeah. You know, and then, but, and also, full disclosure, my mother's a school teacher. But we had this discussion the other day, how, how ironic it was that my mom, she was divorced. She had no, you know, she didn't have much of a choice because her degree was in education. But, and so that was the only job she could get, or at least didn't want to be in squalor. So she became a school teacher. And uh, anyway, we were, she schooled everybody else's kids. <laughs> and then our, our grades were suffering. This is not a dog on my mom. My mom was fantastic. It's just to show how we have kind of, the school system has become somewhat of a daycare center. And there's no need for it to be as long as it is. Like the school days don't need, they, I just talked to someone the other day. Who was it? That just moved here from Arizona, I think, or Utah. I can't remember. And she was shocked at how long the school days are here. Hmm. Her kids have to get up at 6.30. They have to be at school by 7.30. And they're there until almost 4 o'clock. That is a long school day for a kid. Why? Right. It's not necessary. You know what's interesting about that is just the other day I was listening to um, Chris Christie. Yeah, well, who was he? Was the governor of what New Jersey? Yeah, a while he ago. was also a presidential candidate at one time. He is right now. Oh, he's running again. He's running Ugh. again. This is the first I've heard his name over and over again, but I had never read anything that he had written or listened to him or right. anything until uh-huh. this one podcast I was listening to. It was Jordan Peterson's podcast, and he was being asked questions like, "How would you fix the school system and stuff like that?" And one of the things that he said as a Republican candidate is that. Uh, if he were president, then he would uh, have the federal government take the lead in school choice. So I think he knew that's one thing that everybody wants. He was saying that. But then he also said he would make the school days longer and add weekends. And I thought, uh... does he have any idea who he's talking to? Like, does he know who his audience is? Because it's obvious that it's so long and so hard on the kids already. There's so little family time. I mean, how many families... Is it the situation where their kids go, they go to school, or they get dropped off somewhere first? Oh, yeah, they, they go to school. They have the pre, uh, what do you call that, before school care and after school care. Right, right. yeah, and then they go, uh-huh, and then they go home, they uh, eat, and they go to bed, and they start right. over. That's right. Yep. In the uh, interest of full disclosure, uh, we all homeschool our kids. Yep. Uh, Emily and I are married, and uh, so we homeschool our kid. Um Kids. Kids? I know what he said. You said kid. <laughs> <laughs> Just the. said they all look the same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, and, and Michelle also um, homeschools. Uh, her kid. Her yeah, kid. I can say yeah, that. Can, kid. Maybe, maybe I was already moved <laughs> on to your Michelle kid. Michelle has one left. One left. Yeah, the other ones All of us also have had school, uh, had our kids in the public school system as well. And we all grew up in going to public school. Yes. Or Mm -hmm. government school. I mentioned this just because, you know, several years ago, we started kind of looking into homeschooling. And one of the things that really kind of called to me was what someone wrote about how when you send your kids to school, you are giving away your kids' best hours when they're, you know, well-fed and well-rested you know, whatever. And then they get home and it's like they've endured, you know, sometimes like mental, social trauma. They're tired. You know, they've been sitting around for a long time. And then you got to go home and it's like a, a mad rush to get every all the night stuff done. They're at the end of the rope. And that one thing that this family found is that it's like we get to see them like during the whole day. And especially, you know, when they're like bright and ready to go. And, um, you know, I read someone's Facebook post the other day saying, you know, something like, oh, we, our kids are at school eight hours a day. Please don't send them home with two hours of homework. You know, you've had them for eight hours. You can get this done. Like, this is the only family time we have. And can, I just thought, A, like how sad that is because it's true. Can you imagine real quick <clears throat> if you had to, after an eight-hour shift at work, come home and do more school, more work? Yeah. That's but a, that's what we expect our kids to do. Right. I, I'm always just blown away at that. I'd like, yeah. give me a break. You I know? always also feel like I can't believe how how long this has gone on with, without like major blowback or resistance. Mm-hmm. But where uh, all of these parents, and there are so many of them, so many of us who've had this experience where you think, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing. And I'm going to take my kid out of school today and we're going to go have some family time. We're going to go to the beach. How dare you? we're going to just do something together, you know, to strengthen our family. 
and they get these dirty, we all have had them, oh, these yes. dirty letters, you know, in the mail <laughs> from the school district threatening you because it's a criminal offense, right? Yeah, like, it's a you criminal can, offense. It's I mean, supposed to be compulsory. Your kids, it's a compulsory, it is a compulsory education system. And then also leading up to elections and stuff like that, seeing how much this message it goes on the message boards you know over highways it's like on tv shows and radios and commercials and magazines that come in the mail i'm sure through teachers unions and like everywhere you look about how attendance matters and how your kids not going to be able to get a job when they get out of high school if you do this you can't be taking these days off because obviously if you're doing this you don't care about their education and they're just not going to have the certification that they need or they'll tell you how many hours, for example, I've seen this. I'm not even making this part up. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike the rest of what right. you said. <laughs> Where they'll tell you how many hours of math they will not have done if you pull them out two days. Um, I can't remember if it said a month or a year. But in either case, to me, that seems negligible. It doesn't matter. And how by the time they get graduate, they will have missed like so much, like six weeks of math or something like that. I remember thinking... They have got to be joking. The implication in that message is that every moment is hard, like, learning right. that they're doing there. And none of it is just, like, all the passing time. Oh, please. All the, of the, the time waiting, wasting. Yeah, the waiting for the next of, thing. Or just on, even on tablets and stuff like that. There's yeah. a lot Their of that. phones. And yeah. let's say that, like, let's say they have, you know, an hour and a half or an hour of math a day or whatever. Like, how much of it is... Like, explaining something that has already been explained, and so, like, half the class, they either get it, or they don't care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then how much of it is correcting your work, passing papers around? I don't know how they do it these well, days, but, yeah. back to my original point with this. We created this monster, because we pretty much have given our rights away to the schools. Emily just made the point. They made it compulsory. Our kids have to be there, unless you pull your kids out. And, uh, and what is, sorry, just really yeah. quick, what does that mean? I mean, just, I, I want to make sure people walk through the logic of that. If they say it's illegal for you to not have them go to school, what's the next step? Let's say you just say, no, I'm just not going to make them today. They're having a hard day. You will then what? get, you'll, if, if it's bad enough, I know they give you a few chances, right? Okay, so, so then what happens? After you send blow you a letter, your chances, then Okay, then what? you have to go to court. Okay, so let's say you go to court and you're found guilty of not sending them to school mm -hmm. when they think you should have, then what? Fine. Okay, so I now think. let's say you don't pay the fine. Well, I think it's like one of those things where if you keep doing it, CPS might be involved. But I'm not 100% sure. So this is right. just me guessing. Right. Also, my experience with, you know, some of my work. So then ultimately the separation of a family. Right. Or Possibly, you yeah. maybe going to jail. It depends on the state, too. Yeah, it really it, depends it on the state. It probably depends on the state, the locality, or whatever. Yeah. But I'm sure they know that it's terrible PR if they actually follow through right. with it. This whole idea of, you know, whether you get, like, CPS involved. Because I think that people in the community might quickly get on board with this idea that you're being negligent if you are mm -hmm. not you know, educating, you're not sending them to school, you're not cooperating with the school board or whatever. I, I mean, I would think that realistically, with people that don't want a lot of bad press, they would probably just say, well, here's the process for homeschooling them, you just need to affirm these seven things that you're going to teach them, uh, just sign this paper, and then you can have them out of the school or whatever, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I would think that they would kind of push that process along. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hear about it every once in a while. You read about a case of somebody being brought to court or having their kids taken away or whatever. It just seems like one of those leverage things where as much as they want to do it to you, they could, you know? It's just kind of funny if you stop and look at it because at the beginning we were like, here, here's our kids. And then now it's like, can we have our kids for a minute? And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> can we go see them in their class? No, <laughs> no, you can't. Okay, go but on. I don't want people to think that I'm so anti-public school. I am not naive enough to think that everyone can be homeschooled. There are some people, single moms, that could not. They would need the help of the community because they have to they yeah. have to, you know, be able to provide for their families and, and that my mom was one of them, but, but it's just ironic cuz yeah. how the job she chose was a school teacher. It's just funny to me, but Can I clarify one yeah, other thing? Right. I think the problems that we have are majorly with the system. Yes. We all know a lot of like teachers like 
your mother included, yeah, right? Where right. it's like great people. They want nothing more than to uplift children every day. Absolutely. You know, yeah. like they, and I think that a lot of people recognize that these children are in bad situations, and they're like, this is the one time during the day when they'll have somebody who loves them or whatever, depending on the teacher. Yeah. But you know, I think there are a lot of teachers like that. Kind of once you're in that system, it becomes very frustrating. And one of the things is that schools are contingent. Like the, the money that they get is contingent on them teaching certain stuff. And so like, oh, well, if you um, teach this curriculum, then you'll get this amount of state funding. Oh, if you include this, then you get some federal funding. Or, or our That's district right. has to and affirm so it's that. it's becoming bigger because so, now we've got more money involved, which gets so the more day, employees involved. The day gets longer and longer. Yep. Recesses get shorter and shorter. And it's all this, well, we don't want to leave this money on the table, you know, whatever. So kind of becomes a self-looking ice cream cone. Uh, uh, say that again Jeff sorry it becomes a self-licking ice cream cone <laughs> I just really like that yeah. <laughs> saying uh oh, sorry the self-licking ice cream cone really just got stole you. my thoughts away well so what I was gonna oh, say wait, no I got it okay sorry, got it. go ahead uh <laughs> just that one of the things that school districts do for funding is they give kids all these different levels of disability status that hmm. benefit the school so the more types of disabilities that they can label your kid with, the more money your kid is worth to that school from the state. Right. So I just want to point that out. Mm-hmm. And then if you look around and you think, you know, I remember when I was a kid, it didn't seem like there's so many kids who were disabled or, or called disabled. Or pathologized, right? There's right. a pathology right, for right, every little I mean. thing, you know. Right. I'm not saying they're actually disabled, but they're labeled disabled. I'm disabled. <laughs> <laughs> IT crowd. Yeah. Uh, no, what I was going to say I is... I mean, if um, you're leg disabled, that makes sense. But just <laughs> if you're having trouble sitting in your chair for eight hours straight, then... Maybe know. they need to let you outside for a bit. <laughs> Maybe you're a child. <laughs> Maybe you're a child. Imagine that. Yeah. So what I was going to say about that, uh, here in Texas, if you're know, if you listening from out of state, we've, it, it's been in the news. The property taxes have grown exponentially. They're unsustainable, almost. We're at the brink of unsustainability. I'm sure that for taxes. some people it is unsustainable. I agree with that. Yeah. I think that we know several people who uh, have, are, have been right on the edge of selling their houses and leaving. Right. That's right. Because they cannot afford their mortgages anymore with the escrow because of the taxes. That's the thing that just, this is this wild card that keeps changing, which I want to say one other thing earlier when we were talking about the extra money that the county had, that they were allowed to just give to themselves as bonuses. Is this, I mean, I don't know if this is just a crazy idea, but would it, is there some reason they can't just give it back to the people that they took it from? Well, that's like Governor Abbott. That's what right. he so wanted to do with the property I was going to say, tax. So, and I think that that's one of these uh, propositions yeah. is to temporarily increase the homestead exemption for property taxes from 40000 to 100000 Yes. Using this extra, whatever, surplus money in the state budget. So it would be a temporary thing. So that It is a temporary thing? We're voting so. as a, isn't it a constitutional amendment? I don't think it's temporary. It says temporary in it. Yeah. In the constitutional amendment? Well, before you start going into that, let me finish my thought here. So here in Texas, like I said, we are going through this property tax problem. And what's we'll happening. It a crisis. We, Keep going. It is a crisis. But on top of that, we have other things going on in our country that's affecting us in Texas as well as it's affecting everyone else in the country, which is inflation and the increase of interest rates and just the economy in general is starting to hurt Texans. And so what my point was in telling you about the system, this education system that we've created after disclosing that we are part of a system, right? Joe, you're part of a system. Jay's part of a system. We've got to think outside the box to make some drastic changes, which is why I brought this up about the school system and why I brought up homeschooling. Because everyone thinks that you think we're going to keep going on status quo. And status quo is bankrupting us, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, we mm-hmm. went to the, the school board meeting last, last year when it was just starting in 2022 at Medina Valley High School. And I remember addressing them and just saying, like, there's good people in this community who've worked as teachers, ironically, and are retired. And now they're getting hit 
you know, not just teachers, but I'm just saying, I gave them an example of teachers that this, they had a retirement and now their own, the property taxes that are funding the very schools that they taught at and retired from are what bankrupt is bankrupting them, which is so ironic. So we need to make some serious changes in how we do things so that, you, you know, we got to fix this system. And that, and, you know, that's kind of why I homeschool my daughter. And I'm not saying that everyone should do it, but I am saying it's worth looking at. It's worth looking at other alternatives to what what we're doing currently that's bankrupting us. It's like, do we really want to shoot ourselves in the foot or do we want to try to find a way out of this? So, yeah, that's good. So looking over that a minute real quick, I, I it seems to me like what the change in the Constitution might be is to allow them to... Clarify that. Constitution, not U.S. Constitution. No, no, yeah, the it's state... The Texas, con- this te- is what's coming up yeah, in the ballot, right? In Texas, November? Yeah. I, I don't know. I could be wrong about this, but... I can read it here if you want. I, I know. I've read... the short part. Should, go ahead. It says, the constitutional... This is how it will read on the ballot. To increase the amount of the exemption from ad valorem taxation by a school district, which is the lion's share of the property taxes that we pay. Okay? So this goes to the school district. It's at least half. Applicable to residents' homesteads. So right now we're exempt from being taxed on the first $40,000 of value on our homesteads, mm-hmm. this would take it from 40000 to 100000 But it does say it's temporary. Right. If I were to guess, it would be the change that the Constitution would do allow them to create temporary exemptions, and then they, they at the same time they would pass this temporary exemption as a, as a House bill or something like that. So it's got to be an amendment, so we have to vote on it. Yeah. And my guess is... Every educator in the state is going to be voting against this measure. Right. Because it's protecting their salaries, right? Well, and the way that it's, you know, they're, like I was saying earlier, they're, like, with the school attendance thing. Same thing with this election that's coming up. I've seen magazines in the mail, I assume from teachers' unions and organizations like that, you know, uh, and in other places. But where the way that it's proposed is... Do you want education first or not? Right? So if you want to lower this property tax, if you want to pay less property tax, that means that you do not think that education is the number one important thing. That's the way that they frame it. And it's unfair to say that because a lot of the people that are suffering from this are people who are retired. And I'm not talking about the 65-year-old, you know, grandpa who's exempt from this. I'm talking about people in the in-between stage that don't have children at home. They're not benefiting from the school system per se. They are as a community. I, you know, there's that argument. Like presumably. We all, presumably. Presumably yeah. we're all benefiting from a quote-unquote educated citizenry, but you have to define what that means to me because, I don't know. I, I, to me, it's just okay. It's, yeah. it's just okay education, you know? Well, none of the... I mean, it would be a whole nother long long discussion it would to be. go into the harms right like some yeah. of the harms that are coming to students in these government schools so what's an alternative well, why don't we talk a little bit about what we're doing just a little bit go, go yeah go for it so there's a few of us and this is what i suggest to our listeners who are considering the same things we've thought about <laughs> which can i just say yeah probably to begin with most of our listeners will just be people we know <laughs> We love you. And a lot of them don't agree with our, our views on uh, schools or whatever. But Okay, but um, for those who are listening who have thought about these things and are like, hey, what's the first step? Uh, we actually know someone who is, is our good friend, Jonathan Hodnett, who is starting a school. He doesn't call it a school. He calls it a learning center, which I think is a good name yeah. for it. And Because it isn't necessarily a school, a traditional school. Right. Well, and there's a technical reason for that, too. Like, if he were to call it a private school, then the government gets to tell him how to do it. All the hours it needs to be and what he has to teach. And that's exactly what we don't want. That's right. Mm -hmm. So it's a learning center that a few kids get together every day. Well, let's see, three days a week. And then they do different projects. Uh, They work with animals because they have a farm, a small farm there. They uh, work on projects like uh, they just recently built a go-kart, which I thought was really cool. They work on their sports, whatever they're playing. They have practice right now. It's soccer, I believe. 
did see him do basketball the other day. A little bit of that. You're doing too. some uh, music, some student-led, peer-led. Yeah, they're starting music, a band, band over there. Stuff, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's great. Pretty awesome. Yeah. And the philosophy behind it is that. Well, hold on one second before you tell that. So that's the first half of the day is when they're doing all the stuff that you just talked about, Michelle. Then they um, like super practical skills too. They they make lunch. They make their own lunch. Right, like they cook. Yep. You know. And they eat and clean All of up. this is supervised, by the way. It's not just a bunch of kids randomly cooking and burning down stuff. They're, but they do a get to there. do a lot themselves they at the do. same time. So it's not like constantly over their shoulder, but they are gaining, you know, mentorship and help and everything and encouragement along the way. And then in the last three hours of the day, that's when they do their more traditional academic stuff. So they do an hour of reading, an hour of language arts, and an hour of math. Or if they have other things that they need to work on, like they have lately, they've all needed to write papers for a class that they're doing, then they would work on their essays. And, and uh, yeah, so go ahead. I, I, well, it's just a beautiful thing. I mean, so they're socializing. So a lot of the things we get from, and by the way, this podcast was not meant to be focused on homeschooling. We just, uh, we're talking we're about education. About and, and I'm very passionate about it. I, being someone who wasn't homeschooled, went through the public system, I just felt like I got a subpar education. I can't complain enough about it. At part of it was my own family issues that were going on but what's beautiful about this is our kids aren't on screens right and they socialize and they have um and this is part of the experiment right like it is like one of the main goals of this school or learning center (laughs) is to have a a a particular culture right Mm -hmm. so that all the kids uh love each other like they're they're good to each other kind. and they encourage one another and they play together well and they you know they help teach each other and stuff like that there's no uh none of the anxiety that and the stress that i see kids having at uh regular schools mm-hmm. so yeah so what is it vfd learning center mm-hmm. is that what it is and so as far as i i understand right now um they're still kind of building out the business and we have our kids there but they will um it is a business, and it will. I think they'll be accepting enrollment soon. Yes, yeah, um, for new students. We'll be keeping you updated on that. Yeah. As that's... Speaking of it being a business, I just wanted. That's one other thing I just remembered about it that I really like is that. Um, so Jonathan knows how to start businesses and run mm-hmm. businesses, and so that's one of the things for all the students who are interested that he's letting them go through the steps of turning it into a, like a more official business. Yeah. So they know how to start a business. Mm-hmm. And if they have any business ideas of their own, I mean, I know some of the younger ones, they want to sell chicken stuff, chicken eggs, chicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are they called when they're between chicks and full grown? Whatever those are. Know. Don't put me on the spot. <laughs> Jay would know and, the answer You to know, that. laying hens, roosters, yeah. meat. Like, they want to do this, mm-hmm. and he knows how to do it. Yeah. And they're helping him with the web uh, application and all that. Web so. development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And it's so I mean, great. Similarly, like I would think just anything that they want to do, this is my understanding of it, maybe you can correct me, is that part of the idea of the tuition is just if you wanted to start a business where you're like, I want to start selling these things on Etsy. Or it's like, okay, well, what would we need to be able to make those things? Okay, well, let's buy this like leatherworking stuff or whatever it is, right? So that they can do it then at the school. Mm-hmm. And um, to, to connect continually build out the capabilities of what people are able to do there so they could say i have this idea i want to start doing this and it's like okay well let's figure it out you know instead of just being like well we don't offer that here so great all right well next we were going to talk about the issue that's going on in eagle pass there was a growing wave of migration this is from the wall street journal so it was so bad that eagle pass mayor rolanda salinas jr declared a state of emergency Um, as thousands of migrants are entering entering daily, quote, overwhelming the resources of the federal border agents and the community's only shelter. So total amount in like a week, guess how many? 100,000. Not that many. Okay, 10,000. 10,000 in a week. Okay. I don't know how much it's up to this year, but it's if it's been 10,000 a week, it must be quite a bit in a year, right? It's getting so bad, in fact, and this is very controversial, to some people, but for, I'm kind of frustrated because I, you know, I, Abbott is busing, Governor Abbott's busing some of these people to like New York, which I think is kind of funny, yeah. and Chicago. And I, hey, listen, if you're from New York, I'm sorry, but we've been dealing with this border problem 
for years. And we Texas has been begging for the federal government to do something since well, Biden has it, been in office. And yeah. he's done zip, <clears throat> nada, nothing. My understanding is that, because wasn't it right before Abbott got reelected, he was like, we're going to just enforce our own border or something like that, yeah. right? But before that, I seem to remember, and maybe you guys can correct me if I'm just uh, imagining this, I thought that Texas all the while was trying to, but that Homeland Security would not allow them to. Yeah, because in the Constitution, the borders are federal government Mm -hmm. responsibility. And so, which to me, I'm like, there should be some, like, amendment there, that like, comma, unless you're a border state. Because how many mm-hmm. of the, the states in the country well, are, are border the only states? borders that would have anything to do with the federal government. No. What about the one, you know, like the ocean? You sh- they should be able to defend, you know, the federal government can oh, defend those parts. But like the ones that have, the, that affect the state, there should be a caveat there, in my opinion. Mm. Where the, go- the state, well, you know this, the state mm-hmm. should have more power to defend their own border, in my well, opinion. The way that the Constitution is written and kind of the way that I think everything is set up is with a certain attitude of conservative, uh, for lack of a better word, leaning, right? So the idea being, if you don't have this branch of government and this branch of government agree on something, nothing happens, right? Like, it's, mm-hmm. that is to say that, like, whatever is the status quo, you should kind of, like, assume. And I would say that if you have a country at all, what that means, if you are controlling any border at all, then you're deciding who gets to come in. Who gets to come in? Who's a citizen? Whatever. And so between the federal government and a border state, whoever is the most conservative, the most restrictive should win, right? Like that basically, like I agree with you. I think that if you're a border state and there's a certain policy that you should have veto power over that if it's towards the more conservative direction or saying like, no, we're not going to admit like this many people. And when I say that it's more conservative and more, and you might even say more traditional or more status quo, is you look at any other country in the entire world and they have tighter borders than the United States does. And like, if you want to call that xenophobic, then most everybody else in the world is more xenophobic than the United States. That's true. Because they say, uh, here's the reasons you can come in. And if we don't approve you, you don't get get in. And if even if you do get in, you you you're never a citizen. I have right? strong your opinion. Whole life or I whatever. have strong opinions on this because I have a daughter who's an immigrant from Jamaica, a daughter-in-law from Jamaica, and she had to go the long way to get. She's not even a citizen. She's got her permanent residency, which took mm-hmm. two years to get. And these guys, I it, I think every immigrant that came here legally and went through the proper channels probably feels the same way. It is not fair that they these people can just come in and just have all the benefits that they get who had to pay the price, wait in line. Mm-hmm. And so this to me is not an issue of race or um, being xenophobic of any sort. To me, this is more of an issue of sovereignty, mm-hmm. law, and order. If we yeah. have a law, then we should keep the law. If there are no, If there are no borders, then having a country has no meaning there is no sovereignty that's right yeah because of the way that it affects our if you want to use the buzzword democracy right even if they don't vote you know legally or illegally or whatever they're still counted as people who live in a certain area right so they have more delegates so then that state gets more delegates and whichever way that state even if they're not citizens they're still counted they're still counted on the census yeah so you can just you know keep on pumping more and more people into let's say california so that seems like abbott should not be giving new york more people (laughs) yeah why is he doing so it's funny i think it's kind of i mean i think it's a political thing but just uh recently i heard on another podcast that in williamsburg uh new york which is a pretty liberal area, right? So they're like, typically the type of people that'd be like, oh yeah, you know, we believe in uh, open borders and amnesty cities or whatever. They started housing migrants in like one of the school gymnasiums. And it was a gymnasium that had just been built. And so everybody was kind of looking forward to it. And now they can't use it and nor can they even go out for like recess and stuff in this area because there's all these like, men mostly men migrant men in this gym that they are able to come and go because they're not in they prison they there house them with our children exactly right so it's so they're trying to keep them separate so then like 
what do you do? Oh, you build a wall. <laughs> right? You've got to be kidding. There's I'm a not, wall? I, I think there's a fence, right? Between this, like, separate <laughs> building and the other one. Those racists. Right. And then, but, and the, all, they're pretty upset. They're like, we never agreed. So have... they're not upset about the wall. No. They're upset about the they're migrants upset about that the are migrants. there. Yeah. 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 I know. And why wouldn't grown you be? men living in. In their proximity, kids close proximity school, to the school, yeah. Where the kids are all day without their parents. That's right. what's bothering him? Yeah, crazy, right? I mean, it's like, don't you trust the process? Come on, <laughs> trust us. Well, it's a problem here in Texas. It's been a problem for a long time. I live close, not real close to the border, but fairly close to an interstate where they bring people and dump them off and there's oh there's been a few stories of them being dumped and they use the word dumped and then they really are they're like maybe that's not the right word but like they let them go right here in this town and they've ruined like farms they've like cut open fences they've broken water lines to get water i mean the desperation that they have of course they're trying to survive so they'll do whatever it takes to to survive and so but in the process other people are being affected and they're upset about it and so it's causing a problem. Mm-hmm. I just read recently about, you talked about New York. Well, there's an article here about Chicago where they're not happy about it. I just, while you look for that, you know, there's a, we have a mutual friend who just has terrible luck with uh, their trucks. <laughs> so they've had cats oh, yeah. more than one time climb into the engine and then when, and you know, they didn't know it and then they start the car and then it ruins the engine. And uh, another time, yeah, it's not great for the cat either. And then another time, they had their truck stolen, and apparently their truck is the most popular truck to be stolen. What was it, an F one fifty? Yeah, I think so. And uh, so, oftentimes, what'll happen, and I believe it is, you know, these people who like, you know, they're in probably a pretty desperate situation. Yeah, that's right. So they're good at stealing this particular truck, or maybe this particular truck is good at doing whatever it is they, they I intend think it's to easy do. To steal. Or both. Yeah. But one of the things that they do is they steal the truck, and then they know that once they're uh, in pursuit, or being pursued, I mean, by the police, that if they just go off the road and everywhere if you don't live in texas everywhere is fenced because it's private property everywhere so they just drive through fences uh and then they just ride on people's land you know because there's a lot of land and then they'll just go until they get like stuck between two mesquite trees or something and this happened with these friends of ours truck and uh, so it was stolen and gone and they finally had received a phone call that had been found and they're like well yeah you can come on down here and Here's your track. So they came, and it was just mangled with barbed wire, mm-hmm. smashed all over the paint. I mean, everything is just completely comically totaled. And, and yet uh, not comically. Because there's a consequence. Right. Who well, pays yeah. the responsibility for that? Who bears right. it? Right. You know? Yep. So, mm-hmm. I, okay, so here in this Chicago article, it's the headline is, as the number of migrants... And this uh, this was the end of August, so this is a little bit old. But as the end of as the number of migrants to Chicago tops thirteen thousand, which I'm sure it's more by now, the city struggles to provide housing continues, and we're both we all can relate a little mm-hmm. bit to this. But here's what's so interesting: uh, I am quote I am absolutely livid, livid unquote. Doris Lewis yelled at a tense community meeting in Hyde Park Wednesday. Lewis is one of the many Hyde Park residents who spoke out against the idea of approximately three hundred migrants set to move into Lakeshore Hotel as early next week. Quote, I don't know where they come from, said Gail Baker, another Hyde Park resident. I don't know what the intentions are. I don't know the time frame. I don't know if this is temporary, if this is long term. Um, so the the residents in Chicago are feeling the, the pain of this because right. I'm sure crime rate is going up. I'm sure they're having the same issue we're having here in Texas as they, you know, somebody has to bear the responsibility of having that many people that are not just people, but people having fled their country who probably have massive need, mm-hmm. you know, not just, you know, they're relocating. They, they're they needful people. They're needy people who need help from the community. Even so. if we just went on a trip, you know, to Oklahoma with like nothing but like a backpack or something, we'd be pretty desperate by the time we got to Oklahoma. Definitely. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty understandable. Just like all these arguments come into mind, you know, it's like, well, if they're this needy, if they're this in need, like, isn't it our responsibility as the United States, you know, shining city on a hill, all these things. Um, 
and I, I think it's like we need to be real in the sense that you have borders, property lines, gates, fences, doors, locks. You have all of these things for a reason. And it's because you can't have everybody's problem all the time. You have to pick and choose and decide, right? Like there are so many atrocities in the world, right? Every country. I mean, so many countries in the world, they have atrocities. And if we just all of a sudden made all of the problems ours, I mean, we would cease to have a country, right? And if we took can't ev- effectively solve any of them. <laughs> just that it, it just doesn't come from a lack of... And I think it's exactly what you said. It's it's about law and order. Mm-hmm. And it's about con- controlling, you know, the aid that we give. And I mean, my personal opinion on it is that I I like immigration. I think it's great. But only if it's... If we know exactly who we're getting. If it's all legal. Like, I would even be for increasing the legal amount and then closing the border completely right yeah i mean closing the unsecured border right right 100 well, also... close that and then just maybe even doubling the legal you know immigration mm-hmm. or whatever just so people have hope that if they wait a little while and if they go through the system and if they have background checks or whatever they can do it and then the people that you really don't want well, it makes it very difficult for them to come by because they're the only ones trying to get over the border. It's because because Democrats and Republicans use it as a political issue. They both use it to try to get elected, yeah. and that's why it'll never get done because they're not serious about it. They're not. They don't care. One thing I well, want I think, our listeners sorry, to know. Really quick, oh, go ahead. I think the biggest thing is to make sure that the incentives are set up correctly, right? So if you are offering free stuff and not allowing them to work... Those are bad incentives. Plus, I mean, who are politicians, you know, to, like, just say, hey, I have funds for you. Well, it's like, well, they're not yours. They're the people who've been working, you know, all the time. Uh, So, you know, I'm just saying it would just be much better. And it's much better for the recipients of stuff, you know, too, if instead they are allowed to work. People are healthier and happier if they are more independent totally that's so. that's that's a fact right there that's true that's a fact. all right so our last set thing we're going to talk about before we end so <laughs> i want to pull something from the next door app like i like i promised at the beginning of um of this episode some of these things are funny they're comical if you get on here there's some that are funny i posted one that was funny a few anyways not me we'll i wasn't take, talking about mine i was we'll I just was, have to take your word for it no Michelle, i was talking i meant funny. i read one sure, sorry here's one from and by the way if you want to be on our show you know put something on next door app put some, <laughs> I, maybe we'll uh if it's zingy and fun and like you know yeah. clever sufficiently politically incorrect we'll maybe we'll talk about it so today we're going to talk about janice torres from great oaks who said let people vent that was her post. She says, it's important to let people vent. We need a place to share our complaints and concerns. Venting doesn't solve the problem necessarily, but it helps to blow off steam. If people have no place to vent, they may take actions that are harmful to themselves and others. Stop flagging people's posts. If individuals are upset by certain posts, let them block or mute the person. Oh, that was really fun. Yeah. yeah. I liked what this lady said who um, commented. Her name is Marlene Estep from Casterville. She said, I guess this was your vent. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question for you. Okay. Yeah, because I'm not on that app. I mean, I'm not against being on it. I just don't like hearing about dogs. Um, that uh, So it's it's other users that are flagging it, or it's the platform itself that is so taking, taking it down? I think the platform has hosts in every area. So I like see. there's Hondo, Nextdoor app, Castroville, Nextdoor yeah. app, Divine, and so forth. And I think those hosts take it upon themselves to make it the way that they feel it should be. I, I think suppose. it's both. Yeah. I think it's people flag it just like they would on Facebook or yeah. or Instagram or whatever. Um, but I also, when I tried to post, I just did, this is all I said. Okay. I said, amen. What's the point of these stupid apps? If not the exchange of ideas, there's such is there is such a thing as scrolling and ignoring. That was my, right. I agree with that. And so when I posted that, the app itself said, be kind <laughs> like you sure you want to say this because you use the word stupid maybe i'm sure it is yeah maybe that's why yeah and then i hit send anyway you know but they're like you sure you want to say this so it's like this weird filter 
yeah. to like double think, make you think twice yeah. before yeah. you post. So that's why, I don't know. If it's well, what do you think about that? Cause, I mean, I think there's go ahead. A, a good reason. I mean, I, I can imagine from, you know, like, let's say you own Nextdoor, right? And you're like, well, I don't want it to become, I don't want it to become an app where people say, oh, that's such a cesspool. You know what I mean? Because that's what they say about Facebook or Well, they Twitter. should say it's a cesspool for dog lo- dog ads. <laughs> Lost dog, found dog. Do you want a dog? Next dog. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously it's very useful for the dog saying I don't want to get too uh, down on that. But I don't know. I think that they... That I, I think I, the dogs love it. I could see. I could see that. I could see a case for that, right? Where you're just like, well... <clears throat> We we want to make sure that people get when they get on here they don't feel like a lot of negativity, right? right? And you don't want to be turning people against their neighbors either. But I agree, like free free speech should always win out, and you know it's like you could ignore people. Mm-hmm. So well, I just don't engage. My opinion on it yeah. is just what I said. If you don't like it, you don't have to react. You can yeah. keep scrolling, right? And and that's the thing is a lot of uh, it's not like you apps, have to talk. It's weird yeah. to me that. It, re- it rewards engagement and negative engagement is something that is rewarded with the all these apps you know yeah. so just don't engage it's just funny to me because like if you were having a normal situation where someone was like talking to someone else and they were saying stuff you didn't like you'd probably be like you know when then walk away rolling your eyes right <laughs> for some reason people Depending act like age. children normal people do people <laughs> act like children when they're on social media and do this tattletaling thing. It's mm-hmm. weird. Like, yeah. why can't you just walk away like you would if you were in person? Just not look at it and, you know, ignore it. I, I don't understand. It, I, here's what I think. Why. I have this theory that it takes, like, it takes everybody a different amount of time, but, like, maybe, like, two or three years of being on these apps to, real, to realize, like, these are people. You know, this isn't just like a computer screen. I think everybody has to like kind of grow up when it comes to that, and maybe, maybe just have people have haven't been on long enough. Upbringing, right? Exactly. We've had our physical true. upbringing. Yeah. See, yeah. I was on Facebook since 2006 when it first popped up, and Early it used to be the most. It so was you're just basically like 13 years old now in your virtual life. Yeah, maybe that's the case. Uh, no, holy not. Oh wait, no. what year are we in? 2023. <laughs> Like so eight, what am I? 18, 17? Oh, yeah, I'm an adult now. Yeah, yeah. Almost. That's right. Could well, almost so, smoke. Oh, yeah. I'm there. I'm almost Virtually. there. But what's interesting <laughs> to me, because it was like, to me, that was the golden age of the internet. Before, like from 2000 to about 2006. You could say the N-word on the internet back then. You could? <laughs> Did you without getting it, flagged? <laughs> I think you could say anything without getting flagged. Back then. Back then, yeah. 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 Well, why I think it's the golden age is there was no... There was no none of this big tech power. Hmm. It was kind of big tech was on the rise, but they hadn't they hadn't monopolized yet. And so Facebook was fun because I don't even think Mark Zuckerberg or whoever was on the board back then even thought about having to censor. They were just like, here it is. Yeah. Here's this fake book or a Facebook, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. And then we all just did what we wanted with it. Didn't it start out as like you needed a college like a, mm-hmm. a college started, email address yeah. before you, like in order to yeah. make a thing. Uh, back in the day, before they had internet. Face smash? They had the Facebook, uh-huh. which was like a yearbook of sorts, but it was like a directory. So it had your picture, kind of a bio, your phone number. And so if you needed to, you know, keep yeah. in touch with a friend or something, you would get your Harvard Facebook. The it Facebook. Was never my face. It was never my face. <laughs> like MySpace. <laughs> Were you on MySpace? I saw it. I you were on it? I didn't get on it. Yeah. I was too old. Seen it. I was too old, but not too old for Facebook. <laughs> but anyway. Um, and As then we've they... seen, nobody's too old for Facebook. Oh, I know. My mother's on there. <laughs> Love you, Mom. My dad's Some on there. Some people might be too Love young you, for Facebook. That's true. Yeah, my kids... What are they on now, primarily, then? TikTok or Instagram? Oh, uh, yeah. Those you know? Uh-huh. I think. That's what I think. I, so. I'm oldy foldy. I don't know. My kids <laughs> tell me that all what the time. What if we never set our ages... And uh, we just had people guess. Okay. See how old how old they think we I'm are. I'm sure that I've pretty time. much aged Outed myself. Yourself. Yeah, yeah. In this whole thing. <laughs> so if you have a idea of how old uh, Joe it's and Emily are, go ahead and post it on Nextdoor. I'm going to take this first video. I'm going to post it on Nextdoor once we get it edited. Oh, nice. I'm put it up there. Yeah. And then we'll see what happens with it. Hopefully, people listen. We'll see. Yeah.
Well, that's all I have today, Joe, Emily. 